Welcome to the MA Roadshow, episode number 172. My name is John Morgan here in Boise, Idaho. That's right. The potato state? I don't know. Is that the actual? Uh, I'm not sure if that's the actual term, but come on. We know it's the potato state. I did see at the airport, this is called the City of Trees, and it is a beautiful, beautiful city. We'll get to that in a second. My man, Cole Coffee, unfortunately, was not able to make the trip this time. He is back home in Las Vegas, but... He will certainly be editing everything and putting it all together for us, making this show happen. So, thank you, Mr. Coffee. I look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. I, meanwhile, I'm here in Idaho for USC Fight Night 133, Dos Santos versus Ivanov. Boise. I always say Boise, right? I mean, that's kind of how you say it, but I've noticed since I've been here this week, the people that are here, I didn't ask them directly, but I kind of heard them say it. it. sounds like they say more Boise. Which just makes sense. I, well, I kind of over-exaggerated there. Basically, just kind of an S instead of a Z. So, that's what I picked up so far on, the, uh, on, on hearing the locals speak. Beautiful area. It really is. Uh, everybody, all the fighters, everybody that we've talked to, I think all kind of had the same reaction. One of those places that uh, nobody really knew what to expect in coming here. You know, unless you're coming for collegiate athletics at Boise State. I don't know a, a ton of reasons why you would make the travel up here. But it is a gorgeous place. Um the city of trees, as, as as I've learned that it's called by seeing their logo at the airport, understandably so. As I look outside my hotel room here, I'm I'm here at the host hotel. I was fortunate enough to get a room here at the uh, the beautiful uh, hotel called the Grove, uh, which is actually connected to the arena, CenturyLink Arena, making everything very very convenient. Reminds me a lot of Sioux Falls when the UFC stopped in Sioux Falls. For two reasons. Number one, the building, the hotel, and the uh, and the venue were connected, so uh, that kind of was was reminiscent of the whole thing. But again, it's kind of one of those towns. I just don't think anybody knew what to expect. Nobody was, you know, I didn't hear anybody talking behind the scenes saying, "Boy, I can't wait for that fight. Can't wait to get out there." You know, you, you hear that with the staff and people, and boy, I can't wait to go there. I'm gonna gonna hit the clubs out there. Gonna check out the rest. You know, you didn't hear that here, but so far. Everybody's loved it. It is beautiful here. We, we, we're certainly incredibly lucky with the weather. Summertime weather here looks uh, pretty fantastic. I imagine it's a touch cold in the wintertime, but we've got uh, fantastic weather and uh, fantastic people here. Everybody you talk to, they say, man, this, the city is so clean and the people are so friendly. And, uh, man, that's that's accurate of what I've seen so far. Again, the USC's first ever trip to Idaho uh, it's a small town. I mean, the metropolitan area is only about, I think, 700,000 people or something like that. So not a big, big area, but um, one that, that does have a history um, with wrestling, Boise State Wrestling, um, is a program that is, my understanding, is gone. They're trying to battle to bring it back. Um, I know I'm supposed to speak with Misha Tate tomorrow and uh, some other folks about that. So, you know, they're trying to, my understanding is, get the Boise State Wrestling program back. But, um a fight scene here as well. The Century League Arena, just so you know, so you're ready to, to see what you're going to see on TV. It's a small venue. Uh, again, it's connected to the hotel here, which is pretty damn cool. You can there's there's actually in the second and third floor, you walk out on one side is hotel rooms, like like you walk down a hallway, and on one side of the hotel is hotel rooms, or on the hallway is hotel rooms. Then you look on the other side, and it looks like hotel room doors, but it opens up into a suite that kind of overlooks this building, uh, the venue. So. It's a small venue, only seats about 6,000 or so, 
So as you can imagine, it's um you know it's it's virtually sold out. There's a handful of tickets left, nothing but singles, but basically a sellout. Interesting because there is a bigger building here. Um, I thought maybe that was just the only venue they had available, but apparently Boise State you know has a, a pretty nice sized basketball arena too. Um, that holds more people. That holds you know ten, twelve thousand people, something like that. So I tried to poke around and ask exactly why the the USC picked this venue. Not sure. You know, sometimes there's political reasons. Sometimes it's a it's a favor. You know, you look at the, the USC going up to Utica, New York. You, you, you try to wonder on paper why they picked that venue, and it basically boiled down to a, a political favor that they owed somebody that that kind of helped them get things approved in New York. You know, I don't know if there's a situation like that. Maybe it's a financial arrangement with with the hotel and the venue. Not sure. Maybe they just made the the better deal. But you know, it works out okay. You get the instant sellout. And I, I did talk to some local media here that said, "Man, you know, we're not a we're not a big town, and you know, ten twelve thousand people at at UFC level pricing might be tough to do." Plus, I guess they said there's a local organization. I believe it's called Front Street Fights. I hope I got that right. Um, that hosts events here in that Century League arena as well. So. Be ready to see a small building, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited. You know, normally when you go to new cities for the first time, new markets for the first time, the crowd shows up early. So that's what I'm expecting to see on Saturday night is, is people in their seats for the prelims, which usually makes for an electric atmosphere. I mean, I love the big shows in Vegas, but let's be honest, the, the prelims, a lot of times people aren't in their seats. And I know, I know you guys can see it on TV, and it's, uh, you know, it just doesn't have that same feel early on. It feels huge once the, you know, the main event comes. But early on, it just doesn't have that same feel. So, anyway, uh, yeah, Idaho has is, is been pretty fun so far. The, the downtown area is pretty cool where we're staying. Restaurants and bars and everything. And, and as I said, it's just beautiful, clean. People are really friendly. So, I don't know. If you ever feel like you're, you're, there's an opportunity to go to Boise and you're, you're not sure if you'll enjoy it or not, if it's in the summertime, just know that your man John Morgan said it's probably going to be okay. Wintertime? You're on your own, bro. I don't know. I bet there's a bunch of snow on the ground <laughs> here during that time. Uh, so we'll see how the fights go, though. See how see how the crowd goes, and we'll find out if the if the UFC will come back. Again, it's it is a sellout, so that's a good sign. But a small building as well, so not a small main event. It's the heavyweights, Junior Dos Santos versus Blagoy Ivanov in the main event. Interesting main event. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov walking right into a main event is not something that I expected to see. I mean, I guess it shows kind of the the lack of depth in the heavyweight division that he can walk in off the streets. But, I mean, this is a guy that, if you haven't followed his career, has had a lot of success outside the UFC. Of course, he fought for Bellator, uh, did have the, uh, the tournament loss to Alexander Volkov there, but did have quite a bit of success there as well, and then went over to World Series of Fighting, became their heavyweight champion as well, uh, picked up some notable wins there, Smilino Ramo, uh, Derek Maimon, uh, Josh Coburn, Sean Jordan, even fought uh, for PFL. Interestingly enough, he fought in one of their preseason events before they launched their inaugural season and then decided to leave and, and got a free agent deal. And I asked him about that. I sat down with him yesterday. You know, why why, why would you leave the, the PFL right before the million-dollar tournament start? And he said, listen, you know, tournaments aren't a sure thing. You, you never know what's going to happen. You can get injured. You can be fighting well, and then all of a sudden you're out of the tournament. And I, you know, I guess that's pretty logical. Uh, I, I would think that with a million dollars on the line, you know, you'd want to chase that. But of course, if you win the million, then you're tied in for another year or whatever the case may be. And as he said, if you get hurt, and man, with heavyweights, you don't know what the suspensions are going to be like. It's easy to get hurt. So I guess I can respect his decision. But decided to make it over to the UFC. 
uh, and, and is walking into a main event in, in his first fight here with uh, Junior Dos Santos. It was funny because Junior, um, you, you know, you talk to him and, and you say, well, man, aren't you kind of in the, the no-win situation here? He kind of likened it to when he debuted in the UFC against Fabricio Verdum, a guy that, um, you know, a, a hungry guy that's coming in that nobody's ever heard of, that nobody knows about. So, you know, maybe the pressure is on you a little bit. And so he said, you know, I, I got to focus. I, You know, I got to. Uh, remember the task at hand here and, and handle all that. So he understands the situation he's in. Now, Junior is returning after a year on the sidelines, a little more a year on the sidelines, and a lot of that, of course, if you'll remember, was due to fighting USADA. He was lined up to fight Francis Ngannou late last year. Wow, how did Francis Ngannou's life change in that short period of time? That became the Alistair Overeem fight, which then became the title shot. I mean, uh, Francis Ngannou has lived an entire life in the time that Junior Dos Santos was on the sidelines. But Junior uh, adamantly has always spoken out against PED use, and then for him to test positive, frustrating for him, and it made him angry, to be honest with you. And, and he was upset at the way things were handled. He spent a lot of money battling USADA, and finally uh, it, it boiled down to the in Brazil they have what they call these compounding pharmacies, and a lot of the medicines and drugs that you're prescribed are made right there uh, instead of you know buying this prescription or whatever you know they kind of uh, say mix it. it sounds kind of weird but yeah I mean they kind of m- make their own product there I guess and the way it's been explained to me is twofold is is number one cross contamination is a concern right if you've ever worked in the food service business you understand cross contamination you don't clean everything thoroughly you know some remnants of whatever's left over so if you happen to be mixing some illegal drugs or not illegal but performance enhancing stuff or whatever the case may be. And then you don't sanitize and wash and clean and, and, and do everything thoroughly. A little bit of that stuff can be left over. And then you go to make a batch of something else. And now your aspirin has anabolic steroids in it. You know, extreme case there. But you see what I'm saying. Uh, the other thing being that, you know, there's a little bit of competition. And and, and this is the same thing that supplement, supplement manufacturers in the United States have done. It's, yes, you know, here's what we say is in it. But we know that if you really get ripped on this stuff or you really love this stuff, you're, you're, you're going to buy more of it. You're going to tell more people about it. So yeah, maybe we drop a little a little something-something here on the side that's not supposed to be in there. You get amazing results, and you're like, wow, man, this Explode 5000 is amazing. But little do you know it's because there's some anabolic steroids in it. So um, the pharmacies down there, again, this is secondhand information from people uh, in Brazil and the scene they've told me that, you know, sometimes the, the local pharmacies will add a little something, something to make it their own recipe. They're like, yeah, I know this is what your doctor said to me, but trust old John Morgan here. John Morgan's got the recipe. Let me throw a little something, something else that's in there for you. So anyway, uh, trace amounts of a diuretic uh, is what Junior Dos Santos tested for, but it cost him some time. It cost him a lot of money. And it pissed him off quite a bit, too, because he was a person that stood against PED use. And now, um, you know, he had, to, he had to fight these obligations, or accusations. Man, International Fight Week is still running heavy on me. <laughs> I tell you what, as we sit down to record the MMA Road Show on Thursday nights, as we always do, of course I got a trusty frosty beverage in hand, but I will say... The fatigue of International Fight Week still lingers. I can see it on the staff's hands out here, too, and their, their faces. Everybody's kind of happy to have a, a little bit lighter schedule this week. So, anyway, uh, listen, I did have a chance to sit down and talk to Junior Santos, and I thought it was important because, you know, spoke to him about a lot of things, including, you know, where he, where he feels uh, about USADA. And 
its job and how they're doing things. And I, I thought he had some great suggestions. And then we also talked about kind of kind of where he still is. Uh, you know, man, with with Cormier beating Steve Miocic, that that opens things up right at the top of the division. It's weird because we know that the, the heavyweight division is sealed off right now. We know it's Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. And we know that that's not even happening until January. So in some ways, it's frustrating for heavyweights because there's not a lot of room to go. But at the same time, you had the most dominant champion in history, even though that was just a handful of title wins in a row. He's no longer holding the belt, so that opens things up a little bit. And, you know, I not that most fighters probably look at it this way, but listen, DC's almost done. He says, you know, I'm done in March. So if he beats Brock, more than likely that title's just going to be up for grabs. And then, you know, because DC's going to walk away and you're going to have to have two new people compete for it. Or if Brock Lesnar wins, you know, Brock's not going to be one of those guys that fights all the time. I don't know if Brock's necessarily one and done on this MMA effort. I guess the results will probably have something to do with that on his decision-making process, but he could be one and done. I mean, he, Brock is not a young guy. He's also not somebody that fights a lot, so he could be one. So anyway, a lot of interesting things. Junior Santos is in an interesting position, and uh, sat down and had a chance to talk with him for a few minutes, so I thought uh, you guys might enjoy hearing it. First fight week in a little bit more than a year, so it's been a while since we've gotten to see you. What's, uh, what's the emotion like? What's the feeling like kind of getting ready to fight again? Yeah, I'm feeling great, actually, you know, to be leaving this whole this whole thing again, you know, it feels good. It feels good. Um, and what I'm feeling is like, you know, the past is in the past. We have a future, a bright new future to, to build. So let's go. How hard was this last year for you? I mean, everything that you had to go through where you're, you know, you're fighting USADA. It's like you're fighting for your job. And I think kind of fighting to defend your reputation a little bit, right? Like your morals. How, yeah. how, how difficult was it for you? Yeah, you, that was the, the biggest fight, you know, to to fight for my reputation, you know, and everything what I believe or everything, everything what I, or what I, you know, said before, you know, because I was loud, you know, always supporting USADA and, you know, then everything was happening against me and I said, you know, I, for myself, I never see myself going through something like that, you know, but it was happening and I have, I had to deal with that. It wasn't good it was a very bad moment of my career of my life but like i said thank god it's in the past how are your feelings towards usada now because i think people are trying to determine right like i think we all want to work towards a clean sport and everybody wants to make sure it's clean but then you have people that aren't necessarily even cheating you know getting in trouble and, and having time away so how do you feel about usada i mean do you still feel like it's something we need in in the ufc or, or do you kind of not like it as much now no I, I i like it actually you know we need that you know we need a clean sport we need to know like who's the real champion you know we need you know it's uh it's necessary for our sport but of course they need to get uh, uh better somehow you know and uh, uh because like i can talk about my case you know they they found hydrochlorothiazida on me which is a diuretic a cheap diuretic Everybody know every doctor that I, I spoke with, you know, said the same thing. It wouldn't be enough. It, this this diuretic couldn't hide anything, you know, on your on your body. It's it's a cheap diuretic. It doesn't work that way. I I should have to take some something much more stronger to to hide something. And also they found like 0 0.4, 0 0.5 on me, which is nothing. Traits of diuretic. So I think based on this, when when you have a case that it, it, 
it can be a, a contamination, you know, for them. They understand that, you know, because I'm sure that they, at, since the beginning, they said that, you know, it, it, it's possibly a contamination. So in this case, they shouldn't take the guy, take me out of the fight. They shouldn't be allowed me to uh, allowed to fight and do the investigation. After f they finish the investigation, if I de uh, get declared guilty, then they can double the penalty. But until there, because here, you know, in the USADA, we, w what's happening is we are guilty until we prove innocence. And it goes against even the law, you know. <laughs> the law say you are innocent until they prove you're guilty, you know. So, yeah, I think they can get better with that. And I will, I will support, I will keep supporting them, you know. Of course, I'm, I'm afraid now, you know. Every time when they get home at my house, I'm nervous because I don't know, you know. If they I wasn't doing anything wrong before. There's nothing to learn. I, they, they ask me, you know, what, what have you learned from that? Nothing, you know. I was doing everything right. I was doing everything what I, the best I could, you know. I don't take any, any type of drug. I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I don't do anything like this, you know. I'm a, they say I'm a boring guy, but I'm a very happy guy, actually, you know. But... Uh, but yeah, so every time they get home, you know, I got nervous because you never know now, you know, what's what's going to happen or not. Did it make you angry at all? I mean, did you feel like maybe I don't <coughs> want to do this anymore? Like this isn't worth it? Uh, not, not angry. It, was, it made me very, very sad. You know, I was sad. It was a hard, uh, it was a point after they found uh, the, 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 the hydrochlorothiazide in three of my supplements. And they were, it was with uh, four months of investigation. And they took another five months to release me. Uh, at some point at the, uh, this, in the middle of it, uh, I was sitting at my house looking at my son, looking at my wife, and thinking with myself, oh man, wh what's happening? What's happening? I, I, did, I was scared, you know. I didn't know what, to, you know, maybe at the end they could say, hey, it was your fault. How, how could I prove it wasn't? There is no what to do. You, uh, this situation is a very, very tough situation. When you are uh, declared, uh, um, uh, like when if people are, you know, t saying that you did something that you didn't do and you cannot s prove that you didn't do that. That's crazy. That's frustrating. How much MMA did you watch while you were sitting out? <laughs> did, you, did you keep an eye on the division and keep up with the sport, or was it almost like too painful to watch? Uh, no, I, I, I was watching a lot of fights, and also I was training a lot. I didn't stop training any moment because, in my mind, they would find the truth at any time, you know, and then I would be able to, to come back, and I would pick the first fight I could, like I did, you know. After the nine months investigation, they gave me the... Uh, this option to fight black boy and I said yes right away you know so I was I was <laughs> watching the fight I'm I, I, you know I, I love this sport I love who I am so to be here to be Junior Dos Santos for me is a I, I cannot see myself doing anything else right now I'm 34 years old young <laughs> <laughs> the fact that the UFC put you right back in a main event, you think that was kind of uh, them showing, hey, Junior, we, st we still believe in you and, you know, we, you know, we believe in what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, since the beginning, you know, Jeff Novinsky and Donna, they were with me all the time, you know, supporting me and giving, doing everything where they could, you know, to help me with the, with the things, with everything. And I felt... Uh, uh, I felt good about that, you know, and now with this fight, you know, it means a lot to me.
they give you Blagoy. He's a tough guy, right? But not well, one that maybe a lot of people don't know. So did you know him? I mean, when they came to the, uh, with the name, did you know who he was? I didn't. Actually, some of the guys at the ATT, they f fought him before. So they were telling me about him, you know, uh, a friend of my Kayon, Kayo Alencar, who fought him last, his last fight, uh, was you know, telling me more about him, but I didn't know too much about him, you know, at that time. But I saw that he's a very tough guy, you know, he had only one loss in his fight career. And, um, and he also beat uh, Emelianenko Fedor in a Sambo match, you know. That's impressive. Fedor Emelianenko was, I think, the biggest heavyweight in the, the MMA history. Yeah. So is this a, a tough spot for you? Because, I mean, here you are, former UFC champion. I mean, we're just fighting for a title. And now you're fighting for a guy that's never even been in the UFC. It's like he has everything to gain if he beats you. And maybe for you, it's just another fight. Is this a, is this a tough spot for you to be in? Yeah, maybe it is, but I don't care. You know, I, I don't really, I'm not thinking about that, you know. I'm a fight. I never picked any opponent, so I'm not going to start doing this now, you know. If they want me to fight this guy, I will fight him, you know, and I will give my best, put in a good show, get a W and move on, and at some point, get my chance to, to fight for the title again. I was going to ask you, I mean, are you thinking about already that, that time? I, mean, I know you were just there, but things have changed a little bit, right? I mean, yeah. now you got a, you know, Daniel Cormier is the champion. we got Brock Lesnar stepping in. I mean, there's, there's crazy <laughs> things happening. So are yeah. you thinking about a title shot maybe very soon for you? Uh, we always think, you know, like when you become the champion, you become a target. So now the new target for the heavyweight division is Daniel Cormier, you know. So everybody wants to, of course, wants to fight him, you know, including me. But uh, and eventually, at some point, like I said, it's gonna happen. But uh, the division is uh, is living in a good moment. I I want to do this uh, third fight with Miocic too. You know that's gonna be a good uh, could be a good fight for for the show, for one of these shows. There is many many good fights. You know the heavyweight is uh, division is living in a good moment, and we can give the fans a lot of ex excitement. You think if you win here, maybe that fight with Stipe would be a good kind of number one contender fight, knowing that it looks like DC and Brock Lesnar are next? Uh, yeah, could, that could be. That could be a, a possibility, you know. Uh, that could be, I, I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. that you know, I, I wasn't thinking about that, but now it's <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good idea, you know. Our third fight, you know, and then the winner fights for the title, maybe. Good. There you go. Well, let's talk about what's important for you in this fight. I mean, what, what's the message that needs to be sent here? I mean, are you wanting to go in there and, 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 and prove a point, you know, make a statement? Is it really just get a win however it comes? What's, what's the goal on Saturday? The goal is winning, you know. We are, th this sport, our sport is a very tough sport. So, and when you get, uh, when you got defeated in a fight, it's very hard for you for, because to recover from that, you know, when you win a fight, you move like little steps. When you lose a fight, you move big steps back, you know. So that's that's a unfair difference, you know. <laughs> so the the most important is to get the W, you know, to, uh, on Saturday night, and I'm ready for that. I did an excellent training camp, and I'm feeling good, you know, uh, feeling good and feeling happy because uh, you know, everybody saw the the real truth about me. All right, there he was. Junior Dos Santos. Hard not to like that guy, man. 
just a, a, a super nice human being and, and tells it like it is for sure. I will say it's funny. Some of you guys might have seen the clips back in the day. The last time uh, Junior Dos Santos fought in Dallas, uh, my family was there, and he actually ended up pulling my kid out for open workouts. It is amazing how much impact that has on a child's life. Uh, my son asks about Junior Dos Santos all the time and when he's fighting and that sort of thing. I didn't have the guts to tell him he was fighting this week. <laughs> my wife and kid just got back from Mexico, and I asked him, you know, I asked my wife if she wanted to come up here and maybe, you know, let let my son Eli, you know, watch the Junior Santos fight. And she was like, nah, man, I'm ready to be home for a while. I've been gone for six weeks. I just want to sleep in my own bed for a while. And I was like, all right, well, do me a favor. Don't tell Eli that Junior is fighting again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess that's what you do as, as a parent sometimes, right? You, you got to kind of lie to your kids a little bit every now and then when you know it's in their best interest or at least your best interest. Tell me I'm not doing the wrong thing here. I'm feeling really – I'm feeling, I felt strong about it until I got here, and then I started talking to Junior, and I'm just here doing my job, but knowing that my son, that's his favorite fighter, um, I, I started feeling really, really guilty about not telling him about it, so, yeah, it's kind of weighing heavily on me. <laughs> All right, listen, so the other side, Blagoy Ivanov. Again, Blagoy is, he's a tough fighter. I mean, he's a really, really tough fighter. He's got some interesting stories, right? I mean, first of all, uh, the Samba win over Fedor Emelianenko, that was kind of his claim to fame, um, was was beating Fedor. Granted, it was in Samba, not MMA, but still impressive nonetheless. So you know he's got some talent. And, then, and by the way, I mean, this is, you know, this is this is a, a little bit different era, right? This is, we're not talking about, we're not talking about Fedor now, you know? We're, 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 we're talking about uh, Fedor back in 2008. So, you know, this is, this is, this is prime Fedor. He beat him in a Sambo fight. So uh, interesting stuff there. And then, of course, he has this this deal in 2012 where he's in this basically stabbed in a bar fight. Uh, man, was told he was never going to fight again, and he was stabbed in his heart. This is no joke, right? Uh, was told that he was never going to fight again. He said, no, I'm, I'm, I am going to fight again. Um, I mean, intense, intense stuff there, right? So he's got some intriguing uh, history to him, and he's definitely got some skills as well. I mean, 16-1, and one, look, it doesn't matter, you know, who, who you're beating if you get to 16-1, and one, uh, th that's impressive. Um, you know, did did have the one loss to Alexander Volkov, who Alexander Volkov was still doing some, some very big things. This would be a signature win, no question about it. This would be the biggest win of his date, uh, biggest win to date of his career over Junior Santos, but it's not like he has no business being in the cage. Okay, he does. It, it is maybe a little surprising that he's making his debut and that he's doing it, uh, you know, in the main event and that he was given a former champion in Junior Dos Santos to do it. You know, all that may be very surprising, but he's got some skills. I mean, we've got him at, at number 13 in our MMA Junkie USA Day Sports heavyweight ranking. So it's not a, a ridiculous fight or anything along those lines. And Junior Dos Santos is favored, um, but not massively so. So, He's got some skills. Here's the thing. He's going to be really tough to market. Um, you know, he, he's from Bulgaria, so he's definitely got ties there if the UFC is looking to do shows over there. Uh, and, and again, at the end of the day, they're looking for skilled fighters, right? I mean, they want the most skilled fighters on earth. But uh, he does speak English, but he's not the most enthusiastic dude ever. And to... Uh, to let you see that, I thought what I would do is just play a couple minutes of audio we collected today. It was media day earlier today. 
And uh, I did have a chance to sit down and speak to them. I had a one-on-one with them yesterday when I got in. Uh, if you want to see that, the full one-on-one is on uh, YouTube. Uh, it's on MMA Junkie as well. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say my one-on-one was much better than this. I mean, Blagoy is what he is. He's a quiet, reserved guy. Um, but I thought rather than just hear my voice, you might like to hear the local media as well and some of the things they touched on. And, and here was our conversation with Blagoy Ivanov. Boy, what's uh, what's this week been like for you? It's uh, I, I know you fought in some big fights before, but UFC gets a little more media, a little more interviews, time on the phone, yeah. all those things. What's what's this week been like for you? So yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> a little bit tired, but it's it's okay. This is uh, my job, so I can do it. Every time I've ever met you, you seem like a very quiet, kind of reserved person. Do, do you? I don't want to say hate doing media, but is it like a hard part of your job to have to do interviews and talk to people and talk about your feelings and all that stuff? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, it's uh, too many questions, but this is uh, normal for the media and the, for the offense on the UFC. Well, I'm going to have to say that I'm from Idaho, and I think everybody's pretty fascinated about your story of being stabbed in the heart. So are you willing to share a little bit of that for us? So yeah, I got stopped 2012. I stay like three months and a half at the hospital, and then I come back more more stronger, and I'm I think I'm mentally more stronger now. I think I saw or I read that you were um, intent on coming back to fight. You know, as soon as you were yeah in the, the yeah the some of the doctors they say you can fight again, but the first thing when I woke up, the, in my mind was I will, I will come back. How do you think that experience has changed you as a fighter? So yeah, so I have a big experience before. Like I compete all my life in uh, judo competition, sambo competition, and then I moved to the professional fight. Okay. You've had a lot of success in, in other promotions, making your UFC debut. How pleased were you that your first shot is against a guy like Junior Dos Santos, who's a former heavyweight champion and has some name recognition? So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to fight against him because he's a former champion and uh, he's good for me because it's a main event and UFC, they give me uh, trust and they believe. So, it will be a great fight. How has this whole experience been for you finally being in the UFC? Your debut, you know, as Brian was mentioning, at the main event against Junior DeSantos. What is this whole experience joining this organization? So this uh, this is not my first main event, and I have a couple main events, so it's it's normal for me. It's it's not something new, but it's new only the I'm in the fight against the former UFC champion. So first impressions of Idaho <laughs> as an Idaho reporter, you know, what have you seen so far? So it's, uh, here is not my first time in Idaho. My best buddy is from here. And uh, so I like it's a small city and I like it. So you have a, a good friend that lives here, you said? Yeah, he's, so what a, have you, have you... he's my coach. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, is that the wrestler? The... Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. His okay. name is Glenn. You have to you have to cut weight. A little bit. Yeah. What do you what, what do you weigh right now? Like two sixty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Curious to know, do you still have the scar from the stabbing? Oh, yeah, I still have <laughs> <laughs> Is it big? Is it small? Yeah, what is it like? It's a big. Has, has the training been any different for this fight compared to what you do with other promotions? So, yeah, uh, I just did my old camp in uh, San Jose with uh, Javier Mendez. It's not my first time over there. And, yeah, I like it there. And all the times when I'm there, I prepare very good for the fights and so I'm ready right now. <laughs> for uh, new folks to UFC, for obviously the audience here from Boise has never had a UFC fight in Boise. So, so yeah, it's very good, the first event, <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> what can um, the audience expect from you, you know, what kind of fighter are you? So, I'm a fighter, like, uh, I like the striking. And Junior does too, right? Yeah, so we'll be like, Titans crash. <laughs> and what's your prediction? How, do, how does that fight end? The, I think this fight will, will not go in five rounds. Somebody will get knocked out. So, yeah. That's the goal even enough. <laughs> I, lo I love the demeanor. I love... You know the local media is is trying to go with the 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 you know get, get into the bar fight incident, get into the bar stabbing, and I understand why an incident like that you might not want to be something you talk about. Um, you know I don't know what what criminal actions were involved in there and, and that sort of thing, but more so than that, you know maybe maybe you just don't want to relive it, talk about it. Probably the worst time of your life. Um, but I do love it that it's that that basically it's a you know, how, how do you recount the story, Blagoy? Tell us how it went down. I get stabbing heart. Uh, I get better. Uh, I fight again. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be the challenge moving forward. If, if, if uh, you know, as Junior Dos Santos said, you know, this is Blagoy's big opportunity the same way that he had a big opportunity when he came to the UFC. So this is if this is the launching off point for Blagoy, God bless you, UFC PR team. God bless you. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's your main event. I should say, by the way, you know, I kind of touched on the, the, the venue size. Um, despite the venue being pretty small, the floor is big enough that I'm told it is a big cage. They're either, you know, for, if, you just, if you don't know, I think most people know there's a 30-foot cage and a 25-foot cage. And five feet may not seem like a lot of difference, but when you're talking about geographically five feet smaller all the way around, that's a lot of extra space. Uh, Ree Kuhn uh, from Fightnomics, I almost said his uh, uh, brand wrong. Uh, you know, he, he's shown the square footage before, and I mean, the square footage difference is significant. If you've ever seen the two different cages, uh, there's, a, there's a very marked difference. So uh, it, it changes the way fights play out. And to be honest with you, uh, you know, I, I don't hate the smaller cage anywhere. Uh, the smaller cage is less room to dance around, less room to kind of uh, avoid the fight, basically. And I don't want to say run, but it just it, it you know the smaller you make the cage, there's less room to work in. You end up having to fight in closer quarters. But the big cage does fit here, and the UFC executives prefer the big cage. They prefer the way it looks on TV, and so they are using the big cage here. Co-main event: Sage Northcut versus Zach Otto. Sage Northcut making the move up to welterweight to fight Zach Otto. Um, <sighs> You know, don't have to tell you who Sage Northcutt is. Interesting that he's in the co-main event. Of course, this was not the original co-main event, but that got pulled apart uh, to fill some holes elsewhere. 
Sage Northcutt moving up to welterweight, where he is 0-2 in the UFC. But he said, listen, uh, you know, those two times I went to welterweight, both cases that, you know, they were kind of in ex- extenuating circumstances. And we know what weight cutting does to people. We know how difficult it is. Sage Northcutt is one of those guys that if, you, if there was a 165-pound division, which maybe there will be someday. I mean, that's the only one I really think we need to add right now. Uh, and, and it's not a fix to weight cutting, I'll tell you that. Uh, adding more divisions does not fix weight cutting. People will just actually probably cut more in some cases because you got guys that are already killing themselves to get down to 170 who would say, I can make 165. So this would not be a fix. But I think there's so much talent in that 155 to 170 range that adding another weight class at 165 and, then of course, moving 170 to 175, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Sage Northcutt would want to be those guys that, that fits in at 165. He said, look, 155 was killing me. I mean, he doesn't walk around with a lot of body fat. That's that's for damn sure. Um, but he does make it down. But he said, look, it's hard for me, and, and, and it's difficult for me on my body. The other thing, he's, I, he said, I'd like to fight more frequently, and I can't do it if I've got to keep making that weight cut. It's, it's too hard, then I've got to recover the body. I can fight more frequently if I do it at 170. But he hasn't had success at 170. So how do you explain that? Well, you know, it depends on who you ask. Sage Northcutt says, listen, you know, I, I had some issues. You know, both times um, he had some illness uh, ahead of both 170-pound fights. He fought anyway, uh, and it didn't work out for him. Now, if you ask Zach Otto about it, you know, I kind of asked him the same thing. Do, you know, do you buy that explanation? He said, no, I don't, I don't buy that, that, that explanation. You know, the way I look at it is the guys that he beat at 155 were not UFC caliber fighters. The guy he lost to... At 170, they were USC caliber fighters, and that's a compelling argument too. No disrespect to these folks, but look at who he look at who Sage Northcutt has beat at 155 pounds: Francisco Trevino, Cody Fister, Enrique Marine, Michael Kin- uh, Michelle Michel Quinones, Thibaut Guti. Not a lot of big names there. Not a lot of accomplished fighters. Then you look at the losses at 170: Brian Barberina, Mickey Gall. Two guys that have done some things. So. I'm kind of interested to see how this plays out. Um, Sage Northcutt is skilled. He's not all flash. He's not all hype. Did he get rushed? He absolutely got rushed, man. He got the spotlight put on him. And and that may have, you know, that may have not been the best thing for him. But here he is. You know, he's, he's, he's soldiering on. He's now a Team Alpha Male, which I think is brilliant. I mean, that's a great squad right now. This is a, a big Team Alpha Male card. Four guys on the card. Um, so he's got a lot of people to get ready with, a lot of people training around. Um, and now he's now he's fighting Zach Otto, who's a tough guy, you know. Uh, knocked out Mike Pyle last time out. Uh, lost to Li Jingling before that. You know, he's had some up and down results, but he's been in there with some grinders. So I'm anxious. I believe this is going to be a very, very good test for Sage Northcutt to find out if that theory of Zach Otto is right. Is Sage, does he fit in at 170? Is it a size thing? Is it a body issue? Or is it about the talent that he's faced before? So we'll find out. I think it's a, a very compelling co-made event, even if it's not the one we were originally going to get. Dennis Bermuda, and, and, and let me just say, before I go any further, this card is really good. For a fight night card, it's really, really good. It's one of those ones that, you know, and I, I tweeted on the way in or Instagram, sneaky good. It's sneaky good. I understand. Listen, we're all probably still a little bit hungover from International Fight Week, Right. And, and, there's, and there's big events to happen. And, and, you know, this is one of those ones. Small town, flies under the radar. But I'm telling you, this is a really good card. And, and we'll keep going through it in a little bit and point out some of the highlights. But I think this is going to be fun. I think matchup-wise, there's some good fights here. Dennis Bermudez versus Rick Glenn. 
Uh, again, Rick Glenn also training with Team Alpha Male. Big fight here at 145 pounds as well. Dennis Bermudez, snake bit, man. The guy comes and brings it every single time. Uh, you know, I, I think he's he's been in so many exciting fights. But the last two times out, split decision losses. Uh, you know, I think he does have to be careful uh, retreating, moving backwards. You know, I think he's he's got to stay aggressive. I think sometimes he does have a tendency to do things that can give away rounds. Um, but he does he, he does fight, and he does come to bring it every time. And Rick Glenn even said the same. So, like, I'm excited because I know this guy is going to come and be right at me. I'm not going to have to chase him around. Uh, talked to Dennis Bermudez and said, listen, man, when you have split decisions like that, it has to be heartbreaking. And he said, yeah, it was heartbreaking. But, man, he had the greatest attitude about it. He said he's, he's spoken with a sports psychologist. Um, but even outside of that, it's just he said the way it is in life. Like, listen, because what I thought is, listen, I mean, you lose a couple of split decisions in a row or like that. Again, decisions that were close decisions. Um, but if you go on MMADecisions.com and you look at it, most media scored it uh, those last two fights for Dennis Bermudez. Now, one of those I actually scored against him. So, you know, I definitely wouldn't call it a robbery. But still, when you, when you see a lot of trained eyes saying that they thought he won the fight, um, you know, I, I wonder, is it disheartening? You know, does it does it make you, you know, frustrated? And, of course, losing half your paycheck. Damn right, I'm sure it makes you, it makes you frustrated. Um, but, you know, does it make you start questioning how you're fighting, what you're doing? Does it change your strategy? And, um, you know, he said, yeah, we're making some tweaks. We realize we've got to be aggressive. But but that's it. You know, not not doing anything silly that's tailored completely to the judges. We just realize we got to pick up the aggression. But great attitude. Dennis Green just said, listen, um, just you got to forget about it, man. You got to put it in the past. There's literally nothing that thinking about it or dwelling on it is going to do. And he said, you know, he's like that about everything in life. He says, girlfriend will be bothered by something. And, and you know, he says, let it go. I mean, if that's if that's something that's bugging you and it's upsetting you, like why give it any energy? Why give it any power over you? Just put it behind. So it sounds like he's coming in with a good mindset uh, and, and, and a mindset to come in and scrap, but he's definitely in, in need of a big win here. Meanwhile, Rick Glenn is looking to rebound from a loss as well. He had built up a little bit of momentum uh, and then, you know, suffered a loss last time, put a halt to that. Rick Glenn did, by the way, uh, come in clean shaven for the media day today. So, you know, he'd been sporting some pretty strong facial hair and he decided to get rid of that. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, you know, you know how, how strongly that can really affect, uh, <laughs> that can really affect the fight performance is how your facial hair is in place. Uh, Randy Brown versus Nico Price. I love this fight. These two guys, I think this is going to be an all-action fight. Both these guys are saying it's an all-action fight. Uh, Randy Brown coming off a big win last time out over Mickey Gall. Um, and what was a grudge match, you know? Two guys that were familiar with each other and, and kind of started talk, tra uh, talking a little bit of trash along the way. And Randy Brown looked good in that fight. He's a guy... Comes from looking for a fight. Certainly has some skill about him, some size about him for the division. There's no question. It's just a matter of whether or not he can put it together. Meanwhile, uh, Nico Price, a talented, talented dude as well. And just ultra aggressive, ultra fun. Um, you know, wants to be in a scrap every time out. And, and I love this kid's attitude as well. You know, he said, listen, both these guys all week long, said, and, and we do have full interviews up on MMA Junkie or, or the MMA Junkie YouTube channel if you want to see them, but um, both guys have said, listen, no disrespect to the other. In fact, I like this guy. I respect this guy, but it's going to be a fight. You know, they're, they're both looking forward to it. They both think um, that they've got what it takes to win the fight, as, as you would hope. Um, but both are expecting a pretty action-packed fair. Nico... It's hilarious, man. He's, he's he's cut his hair, by the way. He had long hair before. You'll probably remember it was, it was pinned back. He'd have it braided. 
he's got short hair this week, and I asked him, you know, what's what's up with the new look? And he said, you know, truthfully, uh, I, I was it was getting caught in like people's gloves and in the cage while he was training. Uh, so he said, listen, I had to get rid of it. It was, it was just getting caught up everywhere while I was training. So uh, he said it never happened in a fight uh, because you know we'd have it you know braided nice and tight, but decided to cut it all off. He made a decision to leave the American Top Team family, uh, open his own gym. Him and a, and a partner opened their own gym. See how that pays off. But he said, listen, it just keeps life interesting for me. Nico is a guy that, that has four kids and says, listen, I, I need money. I, I got to pay for these kids. And, uh, and I want to fight. I want to fight as much as possible. I want to fight as often as possible. Um, and I know that, that winning and being exciting, um, you know, that's going to help me get more fights. So uh, keep your eye on Randy Brown versus Nico Price. I think that's going to be a fun fight. Miles Jury versus Chad Mendes. Big fight here as well. I think funny, too, that, that Chad Mendes and Junior Dos Santos end up on the same card. Now, Miles Jury, kind of an underrated cat. You know, he's, he's, got, he's got an impressive career record. Um, doesn't talk a lot. I, I don't get the impression when I talk to Miles Drew that he particularly enjoys doing media at all. Um, you know, not that he's hateful or disrespectful or anything. I just never get the feeling that he's comfortable. And I think that ma- makes it difficult for him to get headlines. You know, obviously the people that talk a little bit more. And and, uh, and I don't mean necessarily talk trash. I just mean that kind of open up and, and share things. They get a little more headlines. And I, I don't ever get the feeling that that's, that's Miles Drew's thing. And you know, it's kind of interesting too talking to him about what does this get you? Where do you go? He's like, dude, I don't, I don't worry about any of that, man. I'm just here to fight, and, and that's all I can do. I control my own, and uh, I know the rest of the stuff's out of my hands. The UFC's going to do what they do, so I'll just leave it at that. It's interesting because this seems like the time of, of of people's careers where you know people are realizing, no, 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 you got to step up and say exactly what you want and say exactly what you need. Uh, that doesn't seem to be his attitude about it, but nevertheless, a big fight. Um, he's got a, a big fight against Chad Mendez. Chad. Two and a half years on the sideline, of course. Two years uh, suspension from USADA. Topical cream that he was using to treat psoriasis. Chad has never um, proclaimed innocence, I guess, but he has said, "Listen, I didn't cheat. I just—he's like I, I was careless and I didn't know." Interesting is that he—he he, he didn't fight it. You know, he took the two-year suspension and never really said anything about it. He said, "Okay, no big deal." He was already planning on probably taking a year off. You know, he—he had had a couple of losses. Um, if you remember the last of his career, after winning forever, uh, you know, he had a couple of difficult losses and, and he decided his head needed to heal up, his body needed to heal up. And I think the timing of it was such that he was already planning on taking a year off. And so then when USADA says, well, make it two, that, that he said, all right, you know, and didn't fight it. And I don't think he's, I think in retrospect, he's, he's not as happy about his decision-making process at the time. You know, it was kind of one that he made probably a little hastily, um, but I had a chance to sit down and talk to Chad Mendes. I'm a, I'm a, I always say I'm a big Chad Mendes fan. Um, it's funny. I, I, I met him very, very early in his career. Um, had a chance to see some of his old fights. The MMA Junkie, we used to um, we used to scre- stream the Tatsy Palace events, which I think um, actually stream on uh, Sherdog now. So we had a chance to stream some of his early fights. Um, and then I had a chance to actually speak with him. I think I want to say, man, at the time he was like 2-0. and uh Gosh, Amp Energy was one of Uriah Faber's sponsors, and they actually asked, you know, if they funded me to have a camera guy and everything, would we go to Sacramento and interview Uriah Faber? And uh, absolutely. And so they brought a cameraman, and they were like, you can use the content too, but we want to use it for a, for an ad campaign, and whatever you get, you get. And I was like, 
Seems like a no-brainer to me. Like, you're paying for it? Like, are you paying for production? Like, hell yeah, we'll use it. So we went out there to interview Uriah Faber, interviewed Uriah, and then while we were there, I had seen Chad early on and, and realized he was going to be, uh, you know, I, I, what looked to me like a very talented fighter, even though I think at the time he was only 2-0 and or 3-0. and and I, and I asked their cameraman, I was like, can we, you know, can we talk to Chad Mendes as well? Like, yeah, absolutely. You can talk to Chad Mendes as well. So had a chance to interview him very, very early on his career. He's always been very nice to me. And, uh, of course, then followed his career in WC and into the UFC. Um, so I had a chance to sit down. It, it had been a long time, man. It had been, uh, you know, gosh, it's been more than two years since I had, had a chance to speak with him. Um, so I wanted to talk to him about all this USADA stuff as well and kind of, you know, how he handled it and, and what he thinks about it because there's so much debate right now, right, over, over whether USADA belongs in the sport, whether it's good for the UFC or bad for the UFC. Um and, and there's definitely question marks, man. I, I do think there's things that need to be changed. I don't think it needs to go away. Um, you know, I think I've made my position on that clear. But, you know, I, I do think there's things that can be fixed in terms of how it's reported, you know, the information they share with us, all those things. But I, I do believe it's a necessary part of our sport. But, uh, again, you know, having Junior Dos Santos and, and Chad Mendes on this card I mean, really brings that back into focus about are we doing the right thing or are we not doing the right thing. So, anyway, had a chance to sit down and talk to Chad Mendes and, and – um, Man, how much have things changed in the featherweight division since December 11th, 2015? That's when he lost to Frankie Edgar. Shocking first-round knockout loss to Frankie Edgar in Las Vegas at the Ultimate Fighter finale. Man, I, that that one that one stunned me for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, earlier that year he was he was fighting Conor McGregor at UFC 189 for the interim title. Uh, you know, Sinead O'Connor was singing Connor's walkout song. I'm sorry, I don't know who the country guy was. Wait, wait, wait. Aaron Lewis from Stained? Is that right? Uh, wait, maybe not from Stained. Is that, I don't know. I think, is, am I right? Is, is Aaron Lewis the guy that, that uh, I'm asking if I'm right. I'm talking to myself. I don't think this frosty uh, beverage is going to answer me back. But maybe that was it. Anyway, to now fighting in Boise. You know, 6,000 people, media day with just a handful of people there. But, man, he's got a great attitude about it. Uh, still looks to be in tremendous shape. Uh, and so, anyway, had a chance to talk to Chad Mendez and just kind of get caught up on his career, sat down with him one-on-one, and here's what we talked about. Well, Chad, it's been about uh, two and a half years <laughs> yeah. since we got a chance to watch you fight. So what's what's the emotion like getting back into fight week and, and being a couple days out? What's it feel like for it you? It feels good, man. I, I feel great. This is probably the best I've ever felt fight week. Um, you know, we've, we've switched up a little bit of training, just added a little more science far, as far as like following heart rate and um, recovery. And um, we went and did a bunch of VO2 max testing and kept up through it through the camp and um, never really paid attention to any of that type of stuff before. It was basically just balls to the wall all the time, you know, two, three workouts a day every day. So it was cool just seeing the peaks and valleys through camp and um, just making sure no injuries happened and, and we were peaking at the right time. And feel, I feel really good. Uh, I really kind of nerded out with it and just, you know, got my whole training camp drawn up ahead of time and uh, stuck to things, followed everything to a T. Been uh, following my diet a lot better um, and just feeling good, man. Weight's on point. Actually was the heaviest I've ever been uh, right, right in the beginning of this training camp. Um, getting the dad bod and I'm not even a dad yet so I just had to had to really lean out a little bit and it's been good though man I'm feeling feeling great feeling excited I got that hunger back I feel um, like almost rejuvenated my body feels good the bumps and bruises you know probably the last four years like getting out of bed in the morning my feet were just so bruised and beat up from kicking and 
and getting stepped on and stubbing your toes during practice and it's just nice everything feels back to normal and I'm ready to go. I was gonna ask you what the last couple of years were like for you because I know you had said you, you were gonna take some time off anyway right so that wasn't necessarily maybe the worst thing but I mean were you following the sport were you training you know intensely actively or did you did you totally walk away from it for a while? you have any regrets for how everything went down I mean you said, you know, psoriasis cream, but you're like, ah, whatever. I mean, I'll just take my two years. Do you wish you would have fought a little more vehemently against it? Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it was my own damn fault. I should have paid attention. So, you know, if yeah, I, I did the time, I'm not going to sit there and make up a bunch of excuses and try to get out of it. But, um, you know, I, I, it was my own, my own fault. I messed up. But, you know, I kind of wish now I would have maybe stepped up, maybe got like a year. I wanted to take a year off anyways. I had already told the UFC that, you know, I'm just going to let my body, my head heal up after those last two fights. And, um, you know, when they told me two years at that time, I was honestly, I was frustrated. You know, I was embarrassed. I was just like, screw it. I'm not, you know, I'll do my time. I just don't want I just want to step away from all this. And, uh, about halfway through it, I was like, I wish I would have tried to fight a little bit. But I mean, it is what it is. Like I said, I think that time off was very, very good for me. Um, and hopefully this all translates over into the octagon on Saturday and we get that W. So um, I'm feeling good, like I said, and I just that motivation there is, I think, going to be key. Last thing on this, I want to ask where you what do you feel about you saw it at this point? I mean, knowing that you had to have the wrap. Because I hear some people saying, "Man, this maybe this is more than we all signed up for." You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe went a little too far. What do you think? I mean, is Usada the right solution for the UFC, or does something need to change? What do you feel? Man, I don't know. I mean, I have I have positive and negative feelings about Usada. I mean, obviously the positives. I think it's great. You know, keeping just completely blatant cheating stuff out of the sport. Um, a lot of that stuff was getting you know, overlooked and getting through. Um, you know, I think there are some petty stuff. There's some petty stuff that we could probably fine tune, you know, in, in my opinion, the, the tainted supplements even like, uh, we were just, you guys were just talking about, I mean, there, there's no way for us to know that. Like if we read the label, if I go to a store and I buy say amino acids, like I'm, I'm planning on taking amino acids, which are 100% legal. You know, there's no way for me to know if there's something illegal in there. And if there's something that a com com company tried to sneak in there to make their product sell better by people saying, oh, man, I feel great when I take this. Oh, I'm looking good. You know, like, how is that our fault? Like, we get banned still because of that. Like, if there's a way to prove that, maybe we could, you know, maybe figure out a testing system to where, OK, maybe a month later it's out of your system. So there's no benefit from you taking that. And once it's out of your system, then you're good to go. But you know, I think six months, sometimes a year, whatever it is, like, it's pretty harsh in my opinion for something like that. I think there are certain things like that that can be fine-tuned, um, you know, and all in all though, I think there definitely needs to be something, but maybe USADA is or isn't the answer. I don't know, I'm not the one to say it, but um, I, I do think there's some things that can, can be fixed. All right, so I appreciate that. Now that you're back to competition, uh, mm -hmm. Well, they throw you right in there, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Miles Jury's no joke. So I wonder, when the matchup was announced, I mean, sure, it makes sense. You're a perennial contender. But was there any part of you that was like, how about a little warm-up fight or something? Let me get my timing back down. No, I mean, I mean, I think this is a perfect fight for me to get back into. I mean, Miles obviously is a tough guy, but everybody in the division now is a tough guy. I mean, I don't think it's not like I look at the lineup and say, hmm, okay, that guy's a little bit easier than that guy. Like everybody's tough, you know? Everybody has their super strength. Everyone has maybe their weakness or maybe not, you know? But you know, everybody is, is tough. And for me to get back there and fight a guy like Miles, who, you know, is, is a guy that 
is all right going into my world. He like he's okay wrestling. You know, he trains with Cruz and those guys, so I'm sure they wrestle a lot. He's okay being on his back. He's he's solid with jits, but he's a counter striker. He likes keeping the pace low. Um, which is perfect. I'm going to try to keep that pace as high as I can. I'm going to put the pressure on him. I'm going to, you know, when I throw something, I'm going to throw it to make it hurt. Um, you know, and, and like I said, hopefully that all that all translates into something positive and we get the W. But um, I know what I can and can't do. We've put together a solid game plan. And I think as long as I stick to it and, and implement it in the fight, the entire time I get the W. So. Are you starting to think about announcing yourself as a contender right away again? I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? In two years away, we've got some new names yeah. at the top. It's kind of, in some ways, I guess it, it might even be better, right? Because you got some fresh blood up there. Yeah, of course, you know, and, and I'm treating this like it's the biggest fight of my life, you know, and, and it is, you know, this is a fight that I need to go out there and prove to people, like, I'm back, like, I didn't leave, you know, I took a little bit of time off, but I'm still an animal. I'm still going to go out there and try to knock your head off. You know, I can take you down when I want. Um, and put that pressure on you. You know, that's that's the type of Chad that I want people to remember and see back in the octagon now and be like, shit, this guy never left. So, uh, you know, that that's the plan. I'm gonna go out there and, and try to do that. And if I get that win, which hopefully I do, um, you know, I would like to fight someone in the top five right off the bat. I mean, ultimately that's up to the UFC. You know, we got some guys, Darren Elkins, who's on a, on a killer win streak. We got, um, you know, Rick Glenn's also fighting there at featherweight now. Um, uh, uh, Emmett is another guy that's now in the top. So, I mean, Team Alpha Male has definitely taken over the featherweight division. So we just got to kind of, you know, figure out where everyone's going to play in in the division and who's going to fight who and uh, just take it from there. I was going to say, I mean, not trying to square you guys up up right away yeah. but I mean you guys got a lot of guys in division at the top so what's I mean what is the plan I mean do you, do you guys have to all kind of like careful how you step around each other I think so I mean I think we just got to be strategic I mean there's there's no sense in my opinion and I think these guys will probably say the same stuff same thing but there's no need for us to fight each other if it's not for a belt I mean it's just us knocking each other out of the lineup you know and um, if it was for a belt you know I think Everybody probably has the same mindset. May the best man win, you know. We, we all love each other. We'll shake each other's hand, go have a beer after. But, um, you know, it, we just got to be, you know, strategic, I think, on, on where everybody plays out. So we'll see how it goes. Everyone just got to keep doing what they do. Everyone keeps getting those W's, and uh, I think it'll all work out in the end. We've well, been at the top for a long time. Obviously, a big win here would do it. What's, what's the goal for you on Saturday? I mean, is this, is this to go back in there and prove something to yourself or to, or to be comfortable in there again? Is it to prove something to the world? I mean, what do you want to accomplish on Saturday? I think it's a mix of things. A, you know, like I said, proving to the world that I, you know, I'm right back in there. Um, proving to myself that I'm still here and I can still compete with all these guys just like I did before. Um, but also just getting in there and, and doing what I love, being able to compete, you know. Like I said, I trained my butt off, uh, probably harder and smarter than I ever have in any camp. And uh, just being able to put that all to the test against a tough opponent like Miles, I think is gonna be something mental for me. So, um, you know, win or lose, this is, like I said, something I absolutely love to do. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't trade this for anything in the world. So hopefully we get out there and get it done. Chad Mendez mixing up a Miles jury at this card. I'm telling you, sneak. We're, we're five fights deep right here. And there's, I mean, I'm, I'm loving every fight, real meaning in every fight. And then you get to Mariano versus Kat Zingano. Another fight that means a lot. Kat Zingano, definitely, um, you know, a star in the sport. You know, she's a um, just a, a great figure, man. Wears her heart on a sleeve, has dealt with some incredible, incredible tragedy in her life. 
battle through it, you know, a, a single mom now, and is always just so open and honest about the, the rigors of what it takes to succeed in the sport. How do you not cheer for her? And then Marion Renault, 41 years old, you know, the teacher, a mom as well. She's on a run, unbeaten in her last four. These two are both ranked in the top ten. I mean, this has an, a legitimate impact in the rankings. Um, and again, I mean, how, how do you, mom against mom, you know, how do you – how do you how do you cheer against either one of the badass moms going in there and scrap? You know, Marion Renault said, "Listen, at 41, I, I get it. I know I'm not fighting forever, uh, but I don't feel 41." You know, she says there's days she wakes up and yeah, it's a little hard to get out of bed, um, but that's the life of a fighter. I mean, <laughs> I'm 40 and there's days I don't want to get out of bed. Normally it's not because I've been training too hard. It's normally something else I've been doing too hard. But still, get where she's coming from. And then Kat Zingano said, listen, she's reinvented a lot of stuff. She's uh, ended up working with Justin Flores, uh, who's uh, a, a really good dude. Uh, I stay in touch with him every now and then. But uh, Ronda Rousey's former judo coach. And uh, he, he, for great follow on Instagram, by the way, seeing techniques and, and things like that. But, um, you know, he, uh, he, she, he lives in the SoCal area. And I guess Kat was kind of referred to him. She wanted to improve her judo and, and didn't realize it was Ronda Rousey's former coach but said she talked to him and, and he said everything's good no, or, or talked to her I should say and actually cleared it she said you know everything's good to go don't worry about it but she said listen she's really been outsourcing everything a little bit and and, and, and working jujitsu for jujitsu's sake and um, you know wrestling for wrestling's sake judo for judo's sake she said the biggest thing is you know she went back and watched some old fights and she'd see that she was getting stuck on the ground and she didn't like that. You know, she said she started from jiu-jitsu, and, and there were some improvements to make. So, you know, a meaningful fight in the division and uh, just two A-plus characters doing it. Uh, Alejandro Perez and Eddie Wineland doing it on the prelims. Uh, Eddie Wineland, of course, the former WC champ. That's a great fight. But the one that sticks out to me, Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins versus Alex Volkanovsky is on the prelims. On the the prelims. What is going? How did this fight end up on the prelims? I don't. I don't get it. And normally, I'm not one of those guys that cares too much about card placement. I don't get into those discussions very much, to be honest with you, um, because in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, you know, Uriah Faber was a guy that said, you know, I'd rather be on FS1 than on a pay per view. To be honest with you, I'd rather be that featured spot. I know there's going to be more eyeballs on me. I know there's going to be commercials. So I mean, there's arguments to be said. And now, of course. With the Reebok deal, it's not like your sponsors are saying, well, we'll pay you more because you're in this position. And that was, to be honest with you, that was one of the reasons um, the Reebok deal, for, I mean, there were other reasons as well, but that was one of the reasons it was appealing to the UFC because, you know, they would get blowback from guys like, I don't want to be on that card because my sponsors will pay me more. I don't want to be on that position on the card because my sponsors will pay me more. You know, you, you got guys saying, I don't want to fight here. I don't want to fight there because it means more money to my sponsors. And I think that was one of the reasons, you know, that, that's not often talked about that the UFC officials had, were like, oh, dude, yes, let's do something different, you know, because now it won't matter. We can, we can plug and play these fights wherever we see fit, and it's okay. That said, and, and listen, I know I just said this main card is really good, and it is. And I'm not even sure <laughs> which, which fight I would take off the main card to put this on there. Darren Elkins and Alex Volkanovsky on the prelims. Good Lord, this should be a great fight. Um, Darren Elkins, he's gone the win streak now six in a row, fighting better than ever. Guy's been doing it forever. He's doing it Team Alpha Male now. Seems to just get better and better and better. Um, I mean, just 
is has been in some epic battles and never quits. And and you gotta love that about him. And uh, listen, you know, Darren Elkins, it's time for some fights. You know, our, our European videographer, he asked me at the beginning of this year, he said, does, does Darren Elkins get a title shot by year's end? And at first I was like, well, no, nah, I don't think that's going to happen, man. But it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? And, you know, we don't know what's going on with Max Holloway. And listen, I am, I, I am worried about Max Holloway. I really am worried about Max Holloway. We haven't heard anything new yet. You know, I, I, I'm, I want to be an optimist, man. I want to be an optimist. That's, that's the kind of guy I am. But you know, I, I don't. When you start hearing about the symptoms that he had, and you start talking to people behind the scenes and, and people that talk to doctors, like there's, there's real concerns. There could be some problems here. And I'm not. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. So I want to stress that I'm not tr- pretending to be an expert here. We may, I'm, you know, Friday morning, tomorrow morning, we, we may get. A report that all is clear and he's good to go, um, but you know the, the the things that were wrong scare me a little bit since we don't necessarily have an incident to point to of like, well, he was knocked out a week ago in training. Um, there's a lot of medical concerns that are going to have to be ruled out, so you know, that opens the door for some interim title fights. And I know Jeremy Stevens has certainly been barking up that tree, you know, that he, that he deserves there, that he's fighting better than ever. But Darren Elkins is another veteran that's been around for a while that's that's fighting well. And, uh, you know, I, I sat down with him. I wanted to sit down and talk with Darren Elkins just about everything that's going on, about how he felt about being on the prelims and kind of, you know, what, what he thinks this fight could mean. All right, Darren. Well, I don't, I don't want to start anything here, but what in the hell are you doing fighting on the prelims? What is going on here? I mean, I, uh, I really don't know. I really didn't think I was going to be on the prelims. Um, but you know what? I'm not going to even sweat about it. You know, I'm a big believer. If you focus on negative things, negative things are going to happen to you. So, I mean, do I think it's right? No. I mean, I beat Bermudez. He's on He's on the main card. But if I worry about that, I'm not worried about the fight game. I'm going to have to get in the octagon on Saturday and I get my ass beat. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Everybody's going to be like, oh, maybe you should have been on the prelims. Or, oh, maybe. I mean, so... I gotta focus on my tasks at hand. When I'm done with this, maybe I have to reevaluate what I have to do, be more entertaining, whatever I have to do. But until then, I can't do anything about it. So I'm not gonna go negative, you know. I, when I first seen the things, I was a little negative at first, and I had to talk with my wife and she, hey, we gotta focus on the positive. We gotta fight at hand. We got things on. You know, I got goals that I'm writing down and I want to do. And uh, I just gotta focus on Saturday and fighting, and uh, we'll work out the rest later. I was going to say, I saw a lot of people kind of protesting online. and uh, Does that make you feel good at least, I guess, maybe? I mean, first of all, does it even really matter to you where you fight on the card at all? I mean, I mean it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it, the only bigger picture I'm looking at, it's, it's going to be hard to fight for the belt and stuff like that if you're going to keep on fighting at prelims. If it wasn't for that, hey, I'll fight on, well, on Fox Sports 1. It's on the, on the undercard that part. I'll be on Fox Sports 1 just like everybody else. And we get paid the same. It's not like the old days where if you're on the main card, you make more money for sponsorships. We all got Reebok, so you don't make any more money. You get a little bit more exposure. That's it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, I would like to be on the main card, get a little bit more exposure, get myself more to the top. But it's not something to be like, oh, my God, I got to stress it out and put all my freaking mental part of my game into it. It's not, you know, it's, it's okay. I'm going to be in a big fight. The championship fight's coming. I'm just going to stay focused on my tasks at hand, and uh, good things will happen to me. Did it make you feel good, though, to see that people were kind of rallying behind you and going like, 
this is going to be a great fight. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that thought it was a great fight, and I think it's going to be a great fight. And uh, it's just one of those things where my fan base is growing, and I'm, I'm going to keep it growing. After this fight, I'm just going to keep it growing and growing. I'm becoming more and more popular. My fight, my fights are coming more and more entertaining, and uh, that's just the goal is just make, you know, make the jumps of, of uh, getting better and having the fan base follow me more. Respect to you. I mean, a lot of people, I know it's, it's an argument right now, guys that are ranked, won't fight guys that are lower than them, and, and, and here you are. You take this fight. Um, give me, give me the idea. Of what I mean, what was your mindset when they came to you with the name Alex Volkanovski? Had you, had you watched him at all? Did you know who he was? And, and, and what was your thought process in saying, "Yeah, I'll take that fight." Well, uh, I never, I never knew who Alex was. Um, I looked him up. I watched all of his fights. You know, obviously he's a tough guy. He's respectful. I see him from his record right away. He's gonna be a tough fight. Um, I was looking to fight back again. Um, sooner i wanted to fight in chicago but chicago i couldn't get on so you know um the, the first fight i got offered was um frankie edgar before cub swanson got him and i was rehabbing an injury so i couldn't and it was short notice they gave me like five six weeks notice and i'm like man by the time i rehabbing with my injury it's just not gonna be enough time to really get ready and you know fighting him in his hometown would be tough too so i'm like guys there's really not enough time so that didn't, so that fell through. And then I tried to get on Chicago. That card, you know, it was really freaking stacked and everybody wanted to get on that card. So instead they gave me Alexander and you know, I looked at it like, I'm not at the end of that. I'm not like people are gonna be complaining and say, hey, you know, I can't believe he's fighting this guy. They offered me Edgar in the beginning. I'm in their mindset. That's what I'm saying. I can't focus on all the negatives right now because I'm right there. As much as people don't know as I'm right there. If I go out here and put on an awesome performance, I'm gonna get the fight that I want. It's gonna be fine. You are on this nice win streak right now, a couple performance bonuses. I mean, your guy's been fighting forever, but it seems like you're fighting better than ever right now. So what is it, man? What is it that's clicking? What's what's powering this, you know, kind of run that you're on right now? I think it's a few things. One is Team Alpha Male, obviously. The move to Team Alpha Male has been a phenomenal thing for me. I got all the right coaches. I got, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I, I click well with these guys. So they've really taken my training to another level. Two is I'm no longer working part-time. Like I used to fight for it part-time. I went and I got my 10-year and now I'm vested and now I'm putting my card on hold for now. So I come back always to pay for it, but I don't have to work to keep my card anymore. So now I'm a full-time fighter instead of part-time fighter. And three, I think it's USADA. USADA ch changes uh, the game too. So, I mean, I've always been a clean fighter. I've never had to use anything. So now everybody's just on a fair uh, playing field and that's another really beneficial thing to me. You know, I think a lot of reasons people are looking forward to this fight is because they know that you get in scraps, you know, but I know that, that can't necessarily be fun for your body or for your family or for anybody else. So, well, I mean, when you go into a fight, I mean, do you have the mindset that, hey, I can go in there and I can just shut this guy down or do you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on a, a Darren Elkin show. We're going to get another comeback of the year type fight. I mean, I don't go in there and say, I'm going to go in there and get a comeback of the year. And I want to, you know, I, it's just what happens. You know what I mean? I, I mean, the last couple of guys, I'm fighting good guys and they're real athletic. Um, but I can make up, that's the advantage I have is the mental game. I can stay calm when most people want to give up. I can push forward. When people get tired it's and, and they have to fight their own mentality, 
that's where I win. I'm the toughest guy. You can't beat me there. So, I mean, that's just my fight strategy is I know that at the end of the day, if it's going to be my will versus that guy's will, I'm going to win those type of fights. If it's a gritty fight, I'm going to win. If it's a striking exchange, looking good, throw these crazy kicks and punches, I'm not going to win those type of fights. I'm not that guy. And I know that. I mean, that's part of why I've had such a success in my life is I know my skill set. And I'm not going to go against my skill sets. I'm just going to add on to my skill set. You mentioned it. You said championship fights out there, man. Are you? Is that what's the what's driving you right now? And, and how close do you feel like you are to be able to say, "Listen, I'm the number one contender." I mean, after this weekend, it's gonna be seven and seven in a row. I mean, there's nobody else but Ortega, who, who's getting the title shots, unless you know Max doesn't come back soon. And then uh, Holloway has the most in the division right now. That, that puts me right there. I think they should either give me, you know, the top guy to get me there, or hey, if Max can't come back for a while, me and Ortega, I do that one. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy that you put the guy's name in front of me, I'll fight him. I don't, I don't care. But I want that fight to get me to the belt or fight for the belt. So we, yeah, we don't know what's going on with Max right now. I mean, he might be out for a while, right? So you think maybe if. If he is going to be out, maybe an interim title with you and Ortega or something like that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if seven in a row, I mean, I hope nothing but the best for Max. I mean, I, you always hate to hear something about health issues, especially when it comes to, like, if it's a concussion or something like that. I mean, it's a fight game, but it's, you know, we, you never want to see something like that bad happen. He's a family man himself. I've always had good things from Max. You know, I like Max Holloway, so I wish him nothing but the best. But for some reason, if it does take him a while, which sometimes these things do, Hey, let's do it. You know what I mean? Earn him championship. If he's going to be out for a while, I'm down to do this. Nice. So you feel like Saturday you need to go out there and kind of kind of make a statement. Even, even if this isn't a guy that people know, if you go out there and you really impress, then you can put your hand in the air and say, I'm, I'm the number one guy. Yes. I feel like I need to put on a performance that everybody's going to remember and say, hey, that's the seven in a row. I'm the guy that you need to look for for the interim championship. We're going to do this. Hey guys, Cool Coffee here. Hope you guys enjoyed that Darren Elkins interview as much as we did. And I want to send a big shout out and thanks to all the people that have supported the podcast, whether it be Patreon, um, either coming up and, you know, buying us a beer on the road, doing all the great things that are helping to keep this podcast going. And we appreciate it. And now it's one of those moments to give a shout out to one of our sponsors that is also helping it. And that is Keeps. They are also helping to keep your hair on your head. Maybe you've noticed that you have a little less hair than you're used to have, but you're not sure there's a real solution. The thing is, there are two clinically proven medications that let you keep your hair. And now, they're inexpensive and easy to get. You don't need to lose your hair if you don't want to. And that's why I have to tell you about Keeps. For five minutes now and just $1 a day, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. You just answer a few questions and you snap some photos. A licensed doctor remotely reviews your information. He's not coming to your house. Don't worry about it. It's all done from the privacy of your own home and recommends the right treatment for you all without you ever leaving your couch. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've never gotten them this easy for this price. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, plus now you can get your first month free. One hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair. There's no reason to put this off any longer. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to Keeps.com road. That's Keeps.com road. 
road. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash road. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. So there's Darren Elkins saying, listen, I win this fight. Maybe it's me and Ortega that need to hook it up. Maybe we need to do this for a uh, an interim title. And, and man, he's got to be right there. Especially if he does something impressive, he's got to be right there. Meanwhile, Alex Volkanovsky, Alexander the Great, a guy that you may not be too familiar with. Tough, tough, tough dude. He's been fighting in Australia, uh, his, his native land. For most of his career, he stepped outside a little bit, but he's been in that Anzac region. He hasn't come to the United States, wanted an opportunity to fight in the United States, wanted a chance to fight a ranked opponent, and he got it. He had to sit out and wait a little bit to make it happen, but he got this fight with Darren Elkins. Now, so okay, well, what about Volkanovski? Hey, trains with Darren Hooker. Trains with Idi Adesanya. I mean, these these guys that are having a run right now, I mean – you got Robert Whitaker that's from that region as well. I mean, this little this little area, this little tiny part of the world, they're coming up. And uh, Alex Volkanovski is one of those guys. And uh, this is a big moment for him. Now, side note, now there's not going to be a big press conference. Uh, we'll, we'll probably just do scrums all night. But side note, if you are a, a Volkanovski fan, you know that he likes to do the, uh, the bow tie and the suit. And he kind of dresses up a little bit. He did tell me that – because he came out real early that he forgot the suit. He just totally forgot to pack it, but he did bring the bow tie. So if he is victorious, don't expect the full suit, but expect the bow tie. But for those of you that may not know who he is, I want you to hear this guy because I think his attitude, his confidence, everything that he brings to the table um, is is uh, it's on a different level, man. It's on a different level. And when you talk about what's going on down there in that region and what's going on with that team, that city kickboxing team, Man, they had good results last week, and here's another part of that team. So uh, this is Alex Volkanovski. First question, what are you doing fighting on the prelims, man? This is this is too good of a fight to be on the prelims. I'm not trying to start nonsense, but... Yeah, man. Well, I'm 100% agree with you. So is everyone. Everyone's uh, raving on about that at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Look, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't, don't really care, like because I, you know, I get to fight a little bit earlier, and then I get to eat more food and have a few more drinks earlier in the night. So, you know, I try and look at the positives out of everything. But I definitely thought that that was going to be a, on the main card. But, yeah, what do you do? You know, I can't dwell on that. You know, i still got a job to do. And, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. We'll see. I was say, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the paycheck still comes in the same. But was it kind of cool to see, I guess, because I, I saw a lot of online reaction where fans were like, yeah. was that kind of cool to see? Because you're still pretty young in your you know, UFC career to, to have that type of support. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was really good. You know, so I, I here and there I'll go uh, have a look on Twitter, see what people are talking about. And there were so many people talking about that. You know, I even had guys make memes about it, like, you know, saying that, you know, just a couple of memes i end up posting one actually but you know it's cool you know it's good to see that it's good to i again i had that at the back of the mind so i obviously had that on my mind thinking i'm surprised i'm on the the, the prelims you know especially the, with darren elkins as well a crazy fight and uh yeah it's good to know that everyone definitely agrees and, and they're just blown away by it but what do you do Let's talk about the matchup coming together itself. I mean, Darren Elkins, as you said, I mean, he's a guy that's right up at the top. So yeah. you were asking for bigger fights, and but were you surprised that this was a name that was available? I was. I was. So we, that's exactly what we wanted. We want a ranked opponent in the U.S. So it's been a while since my last fight because that's what we're waiting for. So, you know, obviously, if you're going to be a bit picky like that, you're going to have to be patient. 
So, you know, we're waiting and then it was, you know, a couple of months started going by and I'm like, oh, far out, this is dragging on, what's going on? And then uh, Darren, Darren's name got thrown up in Boise, you know, and I was like, man, well worth the wait. You know, to be quite honest with you, you know, this is a fight, he didn't really have to take this fight. He, he should be ranked higher, you know, he's ranked 10, he should definitely be ranked higher. You've got Mercer Bektik who's ranked higher than him now, which he, he's beat him, he's on a six-fight win streak. You know, it's crazy how, how it works, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but... Yeah, I mean, credit to him. You know, I've got a lot of respect for him for taking the fight. I think it was a very bad decision on his half. You know, no disrespect to him, but, you know, he's really tough. He's durable. He, you know, he's very good at breaking people, but I don't break. And, you know, I've got all the tools that he has, plus so much more. So I think uh, it was just a bad decision on his, his behalf. But in saying that, like, you know, I'm very, very happy for this opportunity, and I'm just going to capitalize on it and take it. It's kind of a weird balance to have, right? Like on the one hand, you're like, thank you very much yeah. for because you gave me this opportunity, but now I'm going to kick your ass. Well, yeah, that's just it. It is what it is, you know. Again, you know, he's a, a lot of respect to him, but I've got a job to do. You know, I've got a family to feed, and, you know, I've got, a, I've got people to make proud back home. So that's exactly what I'm going to do Saturday night. What do you do to train special for a Darren Elkins fight, right? Because, I mean, if you're facing a great kickboxer, you bring in great kickboxers. You're facing yeah. a great wrestler, jiu-jitsu, whatever. He's not really a specialist as anything, yeah. but he's just as hard-nosed as they come, right? So what do you do special to prepare for Darren Elkins? Yeah, man, he's a, he's a grinder. He's tough. He's very durable. You know, how do you train for someone that's going to eat all your punches? But uh, it's you just train hard. Like One good thing about me, I always train hard. I always train, always um, prepare for the worst. So I prepare for a three-round war every fight you know so I'm, i could go five five uh three five five minute rounds no no doubt so uh, you know the fitness side of things is never an issue for me but i guess it added that little bit of motivation knowing that you know how durable he is and and you know he always gets a win right at the end of the fight even though he's losing half the half the fights but you know so that's uh, definitely was motivating but you know it's again i, I always train hard and uh, i'm fit and i'm strong at the moment i'm just too fast and I just believe uh, you know I'm going to be really setting a statement and knocking someone out like you know, knocking Darren Elkins out he's setting a statement and I always say I want to set statements and there's no better way to do that you know than knocking Darren Elkins out on Saturday night. So you said you said you wanted a ranked opponent you want to do it in America it's just the idea that it's time to like kind of break out a little bit and and not just be the guy that fights on all the Australia cards? Yeah, yeah well that's that's what we wanted yeah again that's what we wanted a ranked opponent in the US because obviously I'm pretty well known back at you know that part of the world but you know I really wanted to branch out you know obviously people that know the game know that I'm a big threat to this division even out this part of the world but you know, I want the I want the casuals to start jumping on board. You know, I want everyone to jump on the hype train. I believe this is a fight where it's all going to happen. So tune in because it's going to happen. Long journey to get here, right? Uh, I mean, I've I've made the trip and it, it wears you down. And I'm not trying to get ready for a fight. So I guess you know, how are you feeling? And and be what you know? Did you, did you take extra steps? Did you come early? I mean, what did you do to make sure that you know jet lag and, and you know fatigue isn't going to be an issue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not not an issue because I come early. I, I was here two weeks before the fight, so I was here. Uh, in Vegas, I, was, I spent the last week in Vegas with the guys. Again, I trained with uh, the guys at City Kickboxing, so they, they had a couple of guys fighting, Dan Hooker and Izzy. So I knew they were going to come a week early, so me and Joe made the decision to, to come early as well and uh, just adapt to the time. Got some good training at the PI. It was unreal. You know, I feel real good. I've already adapted to everything over here. So, and now, you know, now it's all the same. You know, you go in the hotel, you do your, your signings, you go here, do your media, you know, your, your weigh-ins all at the same spot. So it's, you know, it feels like I'm at home anyway. So it's nothing different to me. I'm very comfortable. I'm always pretty comfortable. I don't really get too nervous. So we're good. We're good. 
You talked about your teammates, man. Dan Hooker, Israel Adesanya both had phenomenal performances. What's uh, what is it you guys got going there? What's what's the recipe right now? Uh, it's just the Anzacs are taking over, mate. You know we're we're a big threat to the to the world right now. You know a lot of eyes on on us over there. Well, you got Ty, Rob Whitaker, Dan Hooker. You know, easy like the the list goes on. Like we're really killing at the moment. We're not just here to fill in spots, as I've been saying all week. We're you know we're now big threats to all these divisions. You know, right through the the, the roster. All the weight divisions. So, mate, it's just, yeah, we're, we're there now, you know. It's, it's tune in. We're, we're going. We're taking over. And I'm about to put the icing on the cake. I'm going to make it uh, four and four from uh, the boys I've been training with. Very nice. You know, in the UFC, really in your career in general, I mean, every fight's the biggest fight, right? I mean, it just keeps yeah. getting more stakes. But does this feel like a big one? I mean, you got the fight in America again. You got the name. Does this feel like the moment, like, everything happens for you? Yeah, 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 100%. This is definitely the biggest fight of my career. But it's every fight, it just gets bigger. I, I treat every fight at very importantly. You know, I have to win every fight. You know, again, I, I do this, it's a part of my career. You know, it is my career, it is part of my, you know, this is how I support my family. So, you know, you've got to win. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really big, big opportunity for us and we need to, you know, we need to take it. When you play this thing out in your head, I mean, I'm sure perfect case scenario, you'd go throw one punch, knock him out, and call it a night, right? But yeah. probably not going to happen with Darren Elkins. Yeah. So, I mean, when you play this thing out, I mean, are you able to go in there and, and, and stop a Darren Elkins early, or do you feel like you got to get ready for 15 long, hard minutes? Look, I'm ready for 15. Like I said, I'm ready for a war, but I reckon I'm taking him out, and I reckon I'm taking him out early. So what do you reckon, Joe? We're taking him out? I reckon we got him in the first first couple of rounds. I reckon, I can, I reckon I'll be putting him to sleep early. And again, that's that'll open some eyes. Darren Elkins going to sleep? Ooh. I was going to say, have done that. I don't think anyone's done that. He's saying he thinks he ought to be able to parlay this fight if he beats you into a, into a you know interim title fight or number one contender fight at worst. So yeah, if you put him to sleep, what what comes next for you? Yeah, well, yeah. what do you reckon? Definitely top top five. I reckon you know I'm ready to shoot for these ranks. So I reckon anyone in the top top five. So I'm right. Hey, I know I'm going to put on a performance, and I know people are going to expect me to be in these top ranks. You know, well inside the top ten. And I want to move forward. So moving forward means, yeah, top five, top six, max. There you go. Alex Volkanovsky. He's got some swagger, doesn't he? He's got some skills as well. I'm telling you, this is a great, great fight, man. I, the top the top half of this card is so good. I'm I'm fired up, you know. And, and then when you go down there, hey, you got a Ner, a Nurmagomedov on there. Said Nurmagomedov versus Justin Scoggins. Scoggins a guy that's up and down. I always cheer for that guy. If you're a roadshow faithful man, you know you you you've got to follow the career of Justin Scoggins along the way. A talented, talented kid um, that it just has to get everything in the right place. But he's fighting a tough dude inside Nurmagomedov. Uh, Hayoni Barcelos versus Kurt Holaba. Liz Carmouche versus Jennifer Maya. A couple of names there for you. Mark De La Rosa, of course, uh, the husband uh, of Montana De La Rosa, who fought and was victorious last week, uh, versus Elias Garcia. And Jessica Aguilar versus Jody Escabel. A couple of women's uh, veterans there getting the night started. So I'm telling you, uh, this is going to be a good fight card, and I'm looking forward to it. It's a busy weekend. Um, Bellator's got back-to-back fights. One of them... Man, I'm 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 so looking forward to this to the zone partnership and I'm uh, because uh, tape delay in MMA just gets to me, man. It really I don't, it just bugs me. And the fact that, you know, I should be able to wake up in the morning on Saturday 
and watch this show from Italy live and kind of hang and then you know go downstairs here and then watch everything here but I can't because they insist on tape delaying it I'm not picking on Bellator I get it it's not even Bellator's fault or decision it's Paramount's decision just like it was Spikes before so you know it's not it's it, I guess to be clear you know, understand it's not Bellator that's going bro don't show our stuff live, man. We'd really like you to sit on it for a couple of hours and, you know, let the internet report all the results and, and, and then show it to us. I don't blame them, but I'm, I'm really excited for the DAZN partnership so we can get these damn things live. Well, speaking of, they're having a press conference next week uh, in New York um, where we'll get some more information about kind of what's going on and, and uh, what's happening, what's going to cost. We'll get some information about that welterweight Grand Prix. Uh, and, and get some everything. So it's a busy weekend, like I said. And then the night before is Bellator 202 uh, in Thackerville, Oklahoma. So a lot of MMA this weekend, um, which, again, we're all kind of – and that doesn't even count one championship, uh, which one championship does a great job, man. It's hard to get up early, especially when I'm on Pacific time zone. Right now I'm on Mountain time zone, but it still starts at 5 a.m. But normally I'll catch, like, the main event or the co-main event. But if you haven't checked out one championship, download their app. Because it's free now. I mean, it used to be $9.99 for uh, pay-per-view, online pay-per-view. And I always thought, man, you know, no disrespect. They've, they've got a handful of very interesting fighters. But, man, you're talking about getting an American up at, you know, 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. and then asking them to pay $10 to watch the fight. Like, nah, man, I don't know. But you get the app, and it streams like crystal, crystal clear, man. It's a beautiful stream, and it's free. It's free. So if you want to watch it on your computer, you can watch it on your computer. If you want to watch it on your phone – not going to lie, there's been a couple days where I kind of roll over from bed, grab my phone, and maybe watch a fight or two, and then maybe maybe fall back asleep for a little bit. But, you know, if you want to watch some fights just like that, you can do that. So um, they've got an event on Friday morning, and then back-to-back Bellator fights, and then it all wraps up with UFC Fight Night 133, Dos Santos versus off from Boise, Ohio. Did I say Ohio? I think I did. Idaho. I will say, maybe it's all completely in my head. Uh, but I, today I had a room service just cause I was in such a rush to, to get everything done. All I ordered was chicken tenders and fries. So I didn't get anything, you know, super nice or whatever, but the French fries were the best damn French fries I've ever had. And I know this is potato country. Now I need to, I didn't, I, maybe I need to go try French fries somewhere else, or maybe this was just completely in my head, but damn, they were good. There was some of the best French fries I've ever had. It was obvious they were fresh. You know what I mean? They weren't frozen. They were cooked up nice. They were, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm assuming if you're known for your potatoes, you're probably known for your french fries as well. So I'm, a, I'm just going to assume that every restaurant here, and there's a bunch of them, have good french fries. Maybe not, but one for one so far. <laughs> All right, listen. Um, yeah, USC Fight Night 133. Uh, yeah, let's do and a half. I got some time. Unless something crazy happens, I'll have some review content for you as well. Even if I have to produce it myself. I know my man Cold Coffee, it's hard for him in the middle of the night. But uh, I love talking fights, damn it. If we can do it afterwards, we'll do it afterwards. So, uh, yeah. In the meantime, enjoy the fights. Thanks for listening.